Welcome to the Beyond the Game podcast hosted by prep to prep along with Nate Smith and Harold Aubin. I am Danny Kata. We will be joined later by California Interscholastic Federation Executive Director Ron Nassetti. So we're recording this podcast on Monday, July 20th, which is obviously a significant date when it comes to high school sports in California. Uh, the CIF got the ball rolling this, this morning with a statement uh, laying out the sports calendar for the 2020-2021 school year. Obviously, the big news is that fall sports will begin practicing around the middle of December with games starting in January. Uh, let's walk. Th- let's walk through some of the significant news that come out so far today. You know, the North Coast section didn't wait long to release its calendar for the school year. Guys, where do we start? Well, as an athletic director, you know, for me, the big start is the condensed seasons, and the, for me, the big thing is let's just get there. Let's get there and have these seasons happen. Um, you know, we've seen stuff pushed back a few different times now, and I think it's great that the state actually you know, put together a calendar starting at a date that seems most feasible and allowed the sections to put out championship date calendars, you know, season, start of season, all of that. So schools can actually plan now um, and realize, you know, we have, we have four, four months to plan this out, get ready, and then hope that we're allowed to still do this, that we're allowed to have these seasons still happen. And if so, I think everybody will just be grateful for that opportunity. I will say this. Um, my phone, I, I, I just muted and silenced my phone because my phone has been ringing off the hook and I've been getting text messages, mostly from basketball coaches that are a little confused uh, about, you know, what they'll be able to do between now and March. Uh, and uh, I, I don't have much I can tell them. Because it's, yeah, I, I don't think it's really been determined when they would really be able to start uh, or, or what they could do. But <clears throat> certainly it's good news. Uh, I was a little wrong in my story. I thought nothing would start until January, but it does seem to make sense that if we could start in December, uh, that, that would be good for some sports. And I, looking over some of the sections, I'm noticing that. No, by and large, they're quite a bit the same, but in some instances, they're a lot different. For example, the Southern section, and we'll talk around about this, you know, their, their boys' volleyball is actually can play their first game on December 12th, whereas in the NCS, uh, boys' volleyball can't even start practicing until December 13th. So, you know, there are some differences, but, um, you know, the bottom line is, is that we're rolling, provided – well, let's back up a minute for our listeners because who may ha- who may not have seen the press release that was issued by CIF. Um, just to walk through a little bit, uh, the fall sport calendar essentially what what happens is CIF and correct me if I'm wrong on this, Nate, but CIF lays out the dates for the the regional and state championships, and then we kind of work backwards from there, right? So we have for football correct. for football the last day for the regional state championships. Um, are April 17th and so the last day for section playoffs it would be April 10th and then again if you work back about 10 or 11 weeks if you, if you work back 11 weeks from that date uh, plus the playoffs the section playoffs you would get to like roughly a weekend of January 8th as a start date for the first game for football and from what I understand I mean they'll be able to get pretty much a full season in um, now there's going to be that, some scheduling correct. there's going to be some scheduling quirks right with maybe teams from different sections, obviously teams playing teams that are out of state are going to have some issues, but by and large, a team will be able to get their full 10 game schedule in as normal. 
Um, from my understanding, that just there may be a maybe a week trimmed off at the back end, right, Nate, where they maybe not have. The, the... It, it, it looks that way. Uh, that's one thing we'll have to confirm with with uh, Mr. Nsetti when he comes on and and ask if that if that's the thing if, if it's going to be regionals and that's where it's going to stop to confirm the way that calendar looks. Um, you know, but yeah, January sixth, um, you know, is where in, in in the NCS that's where those first games can be played. Um, you know, going forward, that does give you a full schedule. Um, like you said, there now there may be some variances. Um, you know, if you're playing teams out of section or out of county, and and what people are going to say about that. And I know Harold, you alluded to it earlier. Coach is asking, you know, when can we start? And and the neat, the kind of the interesting thing was to see that the sec, you know, the state and the sections put out that summer rules are basically in effect until the start of your season. So whenever your county and your school district rules that you can have off-season activities occurring, you can go ahead with off-season activities just like it's the summer all the way until your you know, start of official season. So, you know, really they're trying to let people get back to normal as soon as possible. Um, at the same time, recognizing that, you know, because things have really been statewide, that's really not going to give many people a leg up on others, um, you know, as people get cleared to resume activities. And, you know, some school districts may say, well, you know, are, are we comfortable allowing people to go back at start dates when there's not school taking place? That's going to be another discussion to take place. But those are all going to happen locally. The, the nice thing about this is we've been given the framework uh, to move forward, to, to take to the districts and have across the sections and say, okay, you know, we, we summer rules are in effect until this date and here's our start of season and let's go about confirming our schedules and, and see where we go from there. You know, there's – with football, uh, they're going to get a full schedule, but some teams are already losing games. Rancho Cotati, for example, they lost a game with Pleasant Valley because the coach up there is saying, well, we're going to start in the fall. Okay, and so we can't play you. Then what if they can't start in the fall? Yeah, that, that, that's one thing the northern section did announce today, that if, if at all possible, they're going to go with a fall schedule with their fall sports as planned. So, so now that becomes a wait and see. Do, do they end up playing in the fall, or do they end up not being able to because of the pandemic? And, you know, they, they, they have had fewer cases up there. Harold, you were just up in the northern section recently yourself, and – and, um, yeah, it, they might be able to get a full fall season in. I, I had the same question come from my volleyball coach today because Pleasant Valley's a, a usual team that comes and plays us. And, and, you know, we see those teams often in the regional playoffs. And, you know, her question was, well, well does this mean that the northern section teams won't be, in our, won't be in our regional playoffs and we won't be able to schedule them, you know, when we hit the court? And I said, yeah, if they play in the fall, we won't be able to play them now. The, that those teams that we usually welcome down for our tournament or whatever – will not be coming down to play us this year. And the other thing I'm worried about is, will we somehow be able to pull off the largest girls' high school basketball tournament in the nation uh, if the summer rules going to December 14th, but then between December 14th and December 30th, can we still do something? where? The well, you have to rem remember, basketball is actually pushed all the way to that spring season. So in the NCS, basketball doesn't start practice till March 15th. But I guess my question is, with the bylaw change, and this is something I'd like to ask, Rob, with the bylaw change, wouldn't we come under outside teams, okay, or something of that sort, where if they played as like uh, Heritage played as the East County Girls or something, I don't know, uh, they, they had a different name, they didn't play for the school, could we still do that? I mean, uh, and you're right, Harold. That raises a good question. And if, if it's a if it's a club thing, 
Um, if you're doing it as a club thing, you're having club teams play in this tournament for a year. How would that look? Of course, then you'll come across the, um, you know, getting into the, the mind of an athletic director here. Well, now you're talking about doing that during the boys and girls volleyball season. And what is gym space going to look like? That's a whole different discussion. Yeah, we would, we would, we, we, that's a whole different discussion. And that's a jamboree discussion. And we, we would have to take it to the ultimate field house or, or some other venue. So that's, that's not just to, just to continue with some of the dates. So boys and girls volleyball now will be playing during the same season with their uh, regional and or state championships scheduled for March 20th. And then the last day for section playoffs the week before that, March 13th, uh, same thing for water polo cross country a week, a week later. So March 27th end date and a March 20th uh, last day for section playoffs. And then um, some of the other fall sports like traditional competitive cheer, field hockey, gymnastics. I didn't even know there was skiing and snowboarding in the CIF, but those will be kind of handled by the, on a section basis. Uh, spring sports, the calendar kind of varies a little bit more. Um, some of the seasons stretch out a little bit later, but we'll be having championships as late as June 26th in baseball, softball, and track. Um, the 19th for basketball, uh, the 19th of June, that is. Uh, golf, 23rd. Tennis boys and girls will be combined and have a season ending at June 5th. Same with swimming and diving and boys and girls soccer. And then uh, badminton will have a, their season, their CIF season end on May 29th. So you can kind of, again, work backwards from those dates. A week before that would be the last day for the section playoffs. And then uh, the regular season will, in most cases, be condensed for some of these other sports um, where I think, for instance, like a soccer is probably going to be squeezing their season into, into two months. So with that, we have obviously we have plenty to talk, to talk about with Ron Say, so we'll bring him on here in a minute. So we're joined today by Ron Nassetti, the Executive Director of the California Interscholastic Federation. Uh, Ron received his bachelor degree in economics, a master's degree in sport management, and a doctorate in educational leadership from the University of San Francisco. He's been involved in education since 1991 as a teacher, coach, athletic director, and administrator. He has worked in the CIF state office since 2008 and has taken over as Executive Director in 2019. Ron, it's great to have you on. How are you today? I'm good, Danny. Thanks for having me. Harold, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, and it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on, an old San Francisco guy, just like me. I appreciate that. I'm glad, glad to be here. Oh, and especially on a day like today where there's obviously so much going on with the announcement today for the 2020-2021 um, school calendar. Uh, now, tell us a little bit about how the committee came to the decision uh, as it did and what other alternatives were considered. Sure. Uh, I think, you know, first of all, I want to say how appreciative I am of our 10 section commissioners and the leadership they've thrown, shown throughout this entire process. And, and also to Brian Seymour, our associate executive director, because he did a fabulous job from the beginning of June working with this group of commissioners. Uh, and they started in June with uh, a lot of different plans. You know, would we be able to start on time? What's, obviously, we had that plan already in place. If we had to delay a week, a few weeks, um, as much as a month, and, and at what point, did we have to put this plan in place? So they, they kind of knocked each plan off as we move forward throughout the summer. And uh, I think at one point in the summer, we felt pretty good that maybe we we're going to start on time or, or with a short delay. And then obviously in the last four weeks or so, it's changed dramatically. And I think with Governor Newsom's announcement last week about uh, school districts on the watch list, starting with distance learning, that really crystallized it for us that this is the direction that we were going to move in. Well, and Ron, I, I, from from the standpoint of, you know, both in the media, but also as an athletic director, I know I'd like to thank yourself and all the section commissioners for 
you know, putting out this kind of thoughtful schedule that you guys did for the state and each section that really gives all schools a way to kind of look forward and plan and see these dates and say, okay, now we have basically our best case scenario in front of us. And now we have time to work and adapt with that. And yeah, it's going to be condensed and yeah, there's going to be some obstacles, but we'd much rather see this in front of us than trying to change on the fly with moving back two weeks at a time or something like that. And, and for me, it kind of, um, it was kind of a little bit of a weight off and at the same time going, okay, now we have something to look forward to and work towards and, and let's do whatever we can to make this work. No, I appreciate that, Nate. And, you know, that's a lot of the feedback we've been getting from our school people is, is the same. I think what I've appreciated most about the comments I've seen over the last few weeks from, from our school districts, our school site principals and athletic directors and coaches is we just want the plan and then let us get to work. And uh, that's what principals, athletic directors, and coaches do, right? They adapt and adjust, and, and that's what they're going to do. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us now to take the plan that we've come up with and work together to move forward, you know? And I think that's, that's most important from this point on. Would you say the most important factor is the in-person learning at schools? Because that's, you know, we've had some coaches talk about, well, you know, we can actually control the environment a lot better on, a, on an athletic field than we could in a classroom of, you know, 2,000 students or so. But how important is that as, as, as part of your determination for, for, for how things go up from this point on? Well, I think it, it depended on how many schools we were talking about. I think once it kind of became evident that there's a potential for, um, you know, over 80% of our, our population in the state to be in school districts that could start distance learning. And, you know, our also other concern was not every student athlete has the ability to get to campus uh, when there's no school, uh, depending on transportation. They don't all have a car. Um, they don't all have a, a parent that can drive them. And so as an education-based organization is, were we going to move forward with a large number of our schools not able to participate? Or was it best for us to come up with something that we felt was good for the entire organization? And I think that's, that's what this group did. Now, with respect to each of the sections coming up with their own calendar, uh, was there discussion amongst the commissioners to try and be as uniform as possible? I mean, most of it is pretty uniform. I, I, I'm looking at, like, for example, the southern section. Uh, they're they're going to have boys volleyball starting their first actual game as early as December 12th. And, like, the NCS isn't going to even allow practice until December 14th. So there are some differences. But did they, did they try to work together to, to get as close as possible? I think they did, Harold, and I think they looked at, you know, here's what it would look like if we all do the same thing, but they all know, also all know they have unique challenges in areas of the state that they had to address, and that's the way it is right now. I mean, you know, you've been around a long time. You know that there's different start dates as there is right now. Some don't even identify start dates. They have, you know, practice. Some have practice start dates. Others just say when the first game can be. I think one thing that uh, the Southern section I know was going to try and do is, is stagger their season a little bit so that their playoff venues and, you know, it's such a large section that they wanted to make sure that they were able to appropriately conduct their playoffs. Because one thing we did in this plan was we allowed for a full slate of section playoffs to occur. So, so there were unique challenges I think each section had to address. And I, I think they tried, they were going to try and stay as close as possible. Of course, there's always an anomaly. Okay. And you talk about each section having unique circumstances and, that brings us to the north section, the northern section. They are bucking the trend and are going to try to go in the fall 
Uh, how is that going to affect the whole system? Well, I think they've been very, they were very honest about that from the very start, that given uh, the demographics of their section, the geography of their section, they were going to do their best to try and start because there's certain things that can or can't happen uh, with that geography and with the sheer number of small schools they have. So I think they were, they've been honest from the start and all we've uh, discussed with them and, and Liz Kyle's been great is that, you know, we have to make sure that whatever we do, it's allowed at that time by the California Department of Public Health working with those local health departments. And they know that if they go and they are able to start in October as they hope to do, that they then would only participate in section playoffs and they wouldn't participate in regional or state playoffs. What happens if they can't go in October and they have to delay to January? Would they be allowed to come back into the state playoffs? So assuming that they were never able to start, I think their backup plan, and, and I don't want to put words in their mouth because, frankly, I've been in these interviews all day long, so I haven't seen every plan in its entirety. Um, but I know one backup plan they discussed, if they couldn't start, was then to adopt the state plan, and they absolutely could do that. So then they would get a free pass to come back into the state playoffs. Is that correct? Well, yeah, assuming they haven't started their season already. You know, if, if nothing happens and nothing would have happened, I think it's very similar to, you know, one thing that we did, I'm sure you guys saw, was allowing sections to to expand their summer periods if they want to do so. And obviously that would only be done on, with the permission of each school site principal. But let's say we all are allowed to do some things earlier than we think maybe we are, um, whether it's conditioning and training or actual play, uh, they could do so under the summer period. And you know that's, that's the unique part about this is that summer period, you could almost look at October, November as being like you know June and July leading up to the fall season, except now it's leading up to December and January. I have some questions about the bylaw changes and the and yeah. of the summer, but I, I'd like to save those for a minute. And sure. let's, let's stick with, you know, like playoffs and stuff. I know that, you know, there was a statement put out that you guys would have more information out with respect to how you would condense uh, the state playoffs, I would assume, for football, basketball, and volleyball into one week. Uh, any, any thoughts you can give us on that? You know, I think right now it's the key, the key was to get the calendar out. And I think the only way we were going to be able to fit in a, as much of a regular season as possible, and, and this allows for quite a good regular season, preseason, full league contest. And I think we wanted to make sure, and I think it's been our philosophy all along that, you know, section playoffs come first. And, and we're maintaining that. So there's a full slate of section playoffs, as I said. With state, I think the only way to fit this all in is for us to reduce everything to one week. Um, so most of it for the sports you mentioned, obviously they have both regional and a state. We're going to have to look at how we're going to do that. Uh, and that's going to be probably the next biggest thing we work on. Um, some sports like cross country, wrestling, track and swimming, they go automatically to a state that's one week right now. That's so right. that will impact. And, and we have a lot of sports that are regional only, you know, boys and girls soccer, boys volleyball, uh, boys and girls water polo that are an eight bra 18 bracket regional. That won't change at all. So I think we're going we're gonna to look at ways, how do we get creative to make sure that we provide as much of an experience as possible for our student-athletes? I noticed that you kept, uh, you, you, you retained uh, the new regional playoffs for softball and baseball. That mm -hmm. was something that, was that important for you guys to be able to retain that? Our, our schools voted that in. So I think when our schools, our schools voted that in. So as far as we're concerned, those are, those are scheduled to start this year. So we felt they should be put on the calendar along with everything else. Absolutely. So implicit in this calendar is the assumption, obviously, that the conditions will get better, right? I mean, so if, if 
are there contingencies in case things don't get better or get worse, God forbid, um, as far as like, uh, is there a second, is there a, a scheduled meeting in a, a couple of months to review or how does that, how does that process work? Well, we're going to continue to monitor the guidance from, you know, we're never going to stop, obviously. That's what we've been doing since, uh, since mid-March, and it's what we'll continue to do. And then I think that's going to be the next set of plans that we have to look at so that we're ready when December, January comes if we have to, if we have to shift in a different direction. So I think, yes, there will definitely be work with the same group and with the commissioners uh, to look at all plans, whether that means a delayed start. Um, you know, I don't think anyone, this is such a fluid situation, as we all know. I don't think anyone can accurately predict right now what it's going to look like in December and January. And uh, we will continue to work this fall on those plans. I was, I was a little off in my story that I put out yesterday. I said, I didn't think anything would start until January 1st, but it seems, it seems plausible now that practicing and, and some things could start in December. Yeah. Uh, I just looked at it, you know, it made, it sounded better to say new year's or bust, but you know, my question is, is there a contingency that goes past New Year? Okay. I mean, what's the latest that you could start? You know, that's something, Harold, honestly, we have, the first goal was to get through this plan and to introduce this and let our schools digest this and look at how they can make things work from this point forward. And that, I think those conversations are going to start soon um, because we want as much time as possible to come up with the best plans possible. So then you might, you're, you're, you're between now, I mean, you've got almost four months. You've got three months and three weeks until uh, football would, would, would start practice in almost all the sections other than the North. So between now and then, you guys are going to be working on some possible contingencies if things change them. Absolutely. We have to. We have no choice. We have to be ready to, to shift gears if needed. No question. So Rock. rock. Go ahead, Nate, go ahead. So, Ron, you're speaking like a seasoned and scripted veteran here, like this is what you plan to spend your day doing with multiple people. And, um, you know, I think you kind of already answered that the question I keep getting from football coaches throughout Northern California right now is, well, does this mean we only have a regional game? Does this mean section champions go straight to a state championship game against SoCal? And it seems to me like that's one of the things where if you could put any one word out there to everybody, it seems like it would be patience. Um, let us make that, let us take that next step now that we have this first wave of information out. Nate, that's a perfect way of putting it. And, you know, you're, you're, you know, currently in that situation. And so I appreciate that. And I think it's something that, you know, we're going to, we're going to look at what is the best thing we could do moving forward with, with sports that are used to having both a regional and a state game. And, and a lot of it depends too on, you know, I think even then, let's say that we made the choice to do just regionals or just state and we'd have to have a contingency plan in place anyway, because what if statewide travel still isn't allowed and we had to regionalize it. So I think we're going to have to look at all possible scenarios for our playoffs and, and get creative. And, and I think, I mean, the commissioners I think have shown by this plan that they're willing to, to be pretty flexible and creative and we'll continue to do that. What do you see as, you know, some of the, some of, the challenges, for example, the Los Angeles city section, I mean, they're going to have some significant challenges economically, I mean, and in all respects, to even be able to pull off some sort of season in a lot of these sports. What's, what's, what's the thoughts there? Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think they were prepared if, um, you know, 
fully for expecting if things were better and they still weren't, that they knew that there was a possibility that, that there would be just LA City section league play and playoffs. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to continue to work with them, provide every bit of support we can. Uh, Vicky Lagos, the commissioner, I mean, you know, she's, she's become a veteran really quickly, um, you know, as, as, a, as a new commissioner. Uh, and I think she's done a great job in, in working with her board. Um, I think they were excited to see that they were still going to be on board with the rest of the state, at least for now. And, uh, you know, again, I don't think we're, any of us know where we're going to be in December, January, but we'll work with them if they aren't on board with us at that time to move forward so that they can continue to provide something for their, for their student athletes to look forward to. But isn't, isn't, won't LA city, San Diego, uh, San Francisco, these large districts that aren't going to be allowing any extracurricular activities at all, and distance learning, how are they going to be able to compete? You know, I guess they're not, it's going to be very difficult for them to compete other than within their own sector. That's it, really. Well, I, I think, Harold, you're right. If it gets to the point where in December, January, they are still in exactly the same place they are now, um, then you're right. And we will have to make, make some accommodations for them to have some season. And it could end up being in certain areas. Sure, there could be certain areas that only play within their section. Um, you know, and, and then it's up for us. Like I said, I've used the word creative all along. It's up to us to look at how we can maybe give them some semblance of a postseason. Not that I'm in any way suggesting this could happen, but let's say for a second that San Francisco and Oakland sections were in the, in the same place and they couldn't really start things like we are and wouldn't be ready to participate in regular regional and state playoffs. You know, they do a trans-base series in some sports. Maybe they do it in every sport. You know, and, and again, I want to make clear, that's not what we're saying is going to happen. That's not what we're suggesting. But I think it's those kind of creative ideas that we can't let hold us back. Um, you know, and I, and I think that's what's most important for us. They got rid of those trans base series when, the, when you guys went to the state playoffs. But, I mean, they could go back to it if they had to. In well, they still have it in what? Uh, I know they still have it in baseball and softball, I believe. Yeah. You know, until obviously this would be the first year that that wasn't going to happen. So, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I would echo what Nate said as far as, I mean, I think people who are close to high school sports are very appreciative of the fact that there's now a timeline. And I think in, in some ways this could actually spur the right kind of activity because now there are, I mean, everything's everything comes down to hyper-local, right? I mean, we have people who in, in local communities who now see, well, if I want my son to or daughter to play high school sports, this is this is a target now. If I can get, we can get the numbers down and in, 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 in good shape by December or by November or whatever, then we can have a, a, a pretty normal season. I mean, I'm looking at the football calendar and based on and the NCS, I believe was the first section to come out with a calendar and they had a, a an initial start date of January 6th for the, for the first game. And you're looking at that and you're saying, okay, you can get a full 10 week season in even with a bye week if necessary and get right into section playoffs and you can fit everything in before with the section championship on April 10th. So, uh, you know, if you, we're, going, we're going back to the discussion about the section versus regional or versus state type championships. Obviously, you could you could throw away a week in the regular season and end up having a state championship. But of course, losing that week would affect way, way, way many more teams than just the very top. Is that something that comes into consideration when you guys make decisions like this? Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've said all along with, that if we were to if we ended up in the fall and had to start late 
And it could have meant that there were no state playoffs, no regional or state championship. Given where we shifted the calendar, uh, we felt we could, you know, if, if it stays according to plan, we could allow for a full 10-game regular season, full section playoffs, and still have some semblance of a regional or state game. Um, so that was definitely a focus. You know, we wanted as many student athletes as possible. That was, that was really our goal is what, can, what plan can we put in place that provided as much opportunity for a full experience of high school sports for as many sports and as many students as possible. That was our goal. Now there hasn't been a, there hasn't been a sanctioned high school event in California since March. Right. And so we're looking at about, you know, 10 months or nine months, depending on the section, each section, but let's say 10 months till January where high school athletes are not participating in any uh, sanctioned event. And I'm wondering with the, with the seasons now being compressed, how much, how much thought came into the discussion with regards to multi-sport athletes? And I would, th- I would assume there's going to be quite a bit of carryover with the calendars. And did you look at, do you guys look at stuff like, oh, there's a lot of players play football and basketball, for example, or, or baseball and basketball or softball and basketball. And we try to set up the calendar in such a way to allow for them to finish one season before they roll into the next. Yeah. It- it's, it's hard to judge some sports because you're going to have so many mixes of kids who play. You, know, you could have a soccer lacrosse player. You could have a baseball, basketball player. Um, so that can be difficult to track. What we, what we did look at is the, the most obvious ones, cross-country track and field, water polo, swimming and diving. Um, you know, and, then, and then we also looked at situations where facility use was an issue. You know, having to separate volleyball and basketball. You know, and also, you know, so those two came into play. Doing our best to separate football and soccer. Because um, you can imagine just with, you know, we've had sections that have had football and soccer in the same season with one gender of soccer. Um, I'm trying to think of a time where we ever had where we had both genders of soccer at the same time. I, I don't think that's happened. So I think those, those two were, things yeah. were yeah, huge. When, when I saw that calendar run, and I have to say it before I forget it, when I saw that, those two things you just said to me were huge going, Oh, thank goodness. I don't have to schedule football and soccer in the same facility all season. I don't have to do basketball and volleyball in the same facility all season. And, and that was a sigh of relief right there. And yeah, soccer and track, there's still a few glitches here and there because soccer officials don't like track practice taking place at the same time and, and yada, yada. But I, I thought that was great. When I saw that, I said, okay, they put facilities as a, pri- as a primary consideration when they did this calendar. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a big part. And, you know, and it's, that's, I'd say if the, any disappointing part is, you know, that we, we always, you know, preach that we want multi-sport athletes and, and there are going to be some students that are going to have to make some choices. And that, that was the most difficult part of all of this. But I, but again, I do go back to, I think this provides, I think the most opportunity for the most students possible. Now, so, uh, uh, oh, hey guys. Uh, so one note on that, we talk about multi-sport athletes. Sorry, Harold. Um, I have heard from some of the small school guys that I, that I write about, you know, they reached out to me right away, how difficult this is going to be, so forth. And, and part of my response to the athletic director, well, if your athletes are doing something in the same season, if they're a good student, I don't see a problem with that. But is there going to be any consideration given to, we have those max hours per week, um, where you're supposed to count all the hours of practice that each team is going on, regardless if the kid is there the whole time or not. Can that be a little flexible for a kid who, say, is playing soccer and running track, but maybe they only go to track practice for 30 minutes? Does that whole practice have to count against their limit? Are those sorts of things that are going to be discussed? 
Yeah, I think so. I think there was discussion about the hour limitation in general. And I think our, our main concern is that the students don't practice more than 18 hours in the week. But, you know, we're going to we're going to certainly clarify. And those are some discussions. So, you know, I don't have an exact answer for you today. But those are issues that we're going to talk about. We talk about right now when there's overlap between seasons that we make sure that you know, we have a Q&A there making sure that the student doesn't practice more than 18 hours a week. So I think there's, you know, that's the limit we want to standard because I think everyone would agree that more than 18 hours a week is quite a bit of time. And, and we have athletes that do two sports now. So I think that's going to be something that we, we continue to talk about. This, this kind of ties into my question because there's a stipulation in the announcement today that uh, bylaws 600 to 605 um, are temporarily waived. These are the outside competition bylaws. Was there much debate on that issue and how important was that to include in the announcement today? I think it was incredibly important. And again, that's that's one of the parts of the flexibility and part of the commissioners that I, I was really appreciative of because, um, you know, I think our organization, no one can, people can say that sometimes we're not maybe as flexible as we, as we can be. And I think this showed a lot of flexibility on their part to realize that we are changing our entire calendar. Some sports are moving completely to a different time of the year. Every sport's impacted in some way, whether they're moving to a different season, whether they're starting earlier, whether they're finishing much later. And so I think for this year only, we thought, you know, let's, let's put some flexibility out there and let choices be made if they want to do both. But I also want to make it clear that, you know, schools and sections and leagues can, can still choose to remain more restricted. You know, so a coach of a volleyball team could tell his athletes, no, you're committed to us. And the one part about this is, given there's going to be so much going on at the same time, is that let's say a school chose to do that and a student athlete ignored their instructions and went and played on an outside team, at least the, the, the punishment for that is not the entire team forfeiting a game. You know, and I think that's, that's, that's important. But, no, I think that was very important for the commissioners as they wanted to do everything they could to, to provide some flexibility and in a time that we've never dealt with and I don't think anyone thought we'd ever be dealing with. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, these kids have been through so much, right? I mean, let's, let's, let's at least give them, it, it, once January hits, we're going to be bombarding them with opportunities to play sports, right? So it's like, um, you know, I, I think that I'm sure it's much appreciated for a lot of the athletes that don't have more restrictions because they've been obviously restricted for so long, not, you know, being on the sidelines for so long. Yeah, and, and Nate, go back to your question too. You know, we have one real interesting kind of Q&A in, in our, if you go to our constitution and we talk about it, is it, you know, it asks if a student plays baseball and tennis in the same season of sport, uh, if they have competitions on the same day for both sports, how would those hours be counted? And, and our current response to that is that the total number of hours would be three, regardless of the time of total, both contests. So, so that's how, you know, so those are already rules we have in place. So that will be to the benefit of the student athlete. So I think it's, um, you know, the student athlete is still limited to the total practice time. That's another Q&A. So in our Q&As, it does focus more on the student athlete and not the team. Uh, so I think that's important. So besides uh, allowing team outside teams and outside competition and the one bylaw change, the other bylaw change extends the summer period mm -hmm. uh, through what looks like December 14th. Okay, now I, I, I realize this isn't an issue that is uh, relevant to everyone, but it is relevant to the largest girls high school basketball tournament in the nation, uh, in which 10% of all high schools in California play. Uh, 
we're kind of, it looks like we're in some sort of a limbo period. If, if, if it was before December 14th, it appears we could play. But now, since it's between December 14th and January 1st, I'm, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little dis hazy on that. I mean, sure, sure, I'm how, 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 how would that work? Well, I think for primarily the summer period goes up to, you know, to the, when they start their regular season. And that's the same as it is right now. We're just, obviously, it's, it's very odd to be calling the months of September, October, November, the summer period. Um, but there's still an off-season period. And depending on the section you're in and what your school allows or not allow, um, you know, there are some things that can happen through outside organizations. So, you know, you could be in a situation where they can come, but they're going to have to do it like they do right now in fall basketball leagues all across the state. They compete, but they compete through an outside organization because they don't get a second season of sport. Right. So, so that would be the drawback in that respect is they would, if allowed by their section and by their, by their schools, um, they could possibly potentially compete as an outside organization. An outside team, they would have to have a different name. Is that yeah. correct? Something like that. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So, uh, Let's see. What else do we have on the slate here, Danny? Anything else? No, I just really wanted to thank Ron for taking the time. I know this is such a such a busy day, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. I think all of I can speak for all of us to say that um, this is a huge relief to a lot of people who are involved in high school sports. And I think you guys did a tremendous job getting this uh, put together. So appreciate appreciate. I actually did absolutely. Have, I had one more thing, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Okay. One more thing. It was noted by some people that some sports such as football, basketball, and I believe volleyball are getting a complete season. Whereas other sports, the season has been cut back, such as soccer. They're not getting as, they're not getting as long of us. They're not, they're, they're not going to have the ability to play as many games as basketball uh, would or football in their time period. How was the decisions made as to who, who got the full season and who got cut back? Well, Harold, I mean, I, I can tell you that given I've been on these calls all day, I haven't had the chance to look at every, every section's calendar to see if they cut back on contacts. Um, I think some of our seasons, if you look right now, that's the way it is right now, um, that certain seasons do extend a little longer. The key is that the season for the boys and girls are comparable um, in, the, in the same sport. But we have, you know, our golf and tennis seasons have always been shorter than our basketball seasons, for example. Um, so I think my guess is sections looked at that, um, you know, and I think they, they were going to get creative in the number of contacts. I think some did limit contacts and get, still gave them the maximum, thinking that, hey, you know, schools may get creative and say the first few Saturdays of the season, we get 28 contacts. We know we're not going to get to play 28 games maybe with a few less weeks than we have. But who's to say we can't do shortened quarters and do some jamboree-type situations the first two weekends? They count as contacts, but we have them. So I think that's why we didn't want to mandate from the state level on how many contacts were allowed, because we wanted to allow for there to be some creative options for schools and for sections. Sounds good. Yeah, and I think also the other thing we had to be careful of is we couldn't just start and end like we do right now. We don't start and end all sports on the same, on the same weekend in, in May because – you can't have every championship event on one weekend. Um, you know, it's just not possible. So, so that's, that's what you see now. And so I think they probably stayed pretty consistent with that. Well, once again, we'd like to thank you, Ron, for coming on and um, 
like I said, great job with uh, the organization and getting this stuff out. And I'm sure a lot of parents are anxiously waiting the release of this podcast to hear from directly from the source. So thanks so much, Ron. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me. It's always good to be able to answer questions and, and to get our information out there. So thank you very much. Thank- Hope all of you stay healthy and safe. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for all your hard work on this. Thanks, Ron. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Beyond the Game podcast presented by Prep to Prep. Once again, on behalf of Nate Smith and Harold Aben, we would like to thank our guest, CIF Executive Director Ron Nassetti, for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to the Prep to Prep Beyond the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. And don't forget to visit us at prep2prep.com and follow us on Twitter at prep to prep sports and Instagram at prep to prep For all of us at Prep to Prep, thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you.